0: It's not about us. It's all about him. Amen. And he's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, choir, for just leading us and ushering us into the presence of the Lord. How many of you know that you're in the house of God this morning? Amen. And where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Amen. It's just good to see in the house of the Lord you may be seated as we... Just prepare ourselves for the word of the Lord. The pastor, he might have even mentioned it to you, but the pastor has asked me to bring you an $8 million message this morning. (laughs) Amen. So I guess that means I'm the $8 million man. A little bit of inflation, but how many of you know it's not by might? It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And I can get up here in my wisdom, and I can get up here in my strength. But without the Holy Spirit, it's just a waste of time. Amen? Amen? So I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit anoint me. We'll go to the Lord one more time. Anoint me. He's anointed everything else. Now He needs to anoint me, and He needs to anoint you to receive. Amen? Amen. Father God, we just thankful for Your Holy Spirit. God, I'm thankful that your Spirit is already in this place, that you've come before us already, God, and you've paved the way, God, for miracles to take place in our lives. I'm thankful this morning that you have a Word and not me. I'm thankful, Father God, that you are the one that's going to send the Word so that it will not return void, but that it will accomplish the very reason that you have sent it. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon me and within me. God, I pray that you would arrest my mind and arrest my mouth. God, I pray that you would arrest every single word that comes forth from my lips and that you would fill it with your power, that you would fill it with your anointing, God, that it would be filled with revelation and truth. God, I pray that You would touch and anoint Your people as well. Give them ears to hear and hearts to receive. Let them receive with gladness the Word that You have for us this morning, God. And above everything else, I pray that You would give us the courage to be not just hearers of Your Word, but doers, so that Your kingdom would be advanced and so You would be glorified. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. the title of my message this morning is rise up and build. It's taken from Nehemiah chapters 2, or chapter 2, specifically verses 16, 17, and 18. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I want to begin with Proverbs 29, 18, that says, Without a vision, the people perish. And if you expand on that, church, it means that without a divine revelation, without direction from God... Without an eternal purpose and a plan, the people will perish, the Bible says. Without looking to the future, without considering tomorrow, the Bible says that my people will walk in darkness. Some other interpretations say they will wander without aim and they will stumble over themselves or they will run amok. But ultimately it means that without a vision, my people will fade away and they will be no more. But I want you to know this morning, church, that South Metro Ministries isn't about to fade away. I want you to know this morning that South Metro Ministries isn't about to be no more because our pastor has a vision. Because our pastor is looking to the future. Because he has been given a divine revelation from God concerning our tomorrow. And he's invited us to be a part of it. Amen? Over the last few weeks, our pastor has laid before us a vision. He has written it down, just like Habakkuk said in Habakkuk chapter 2-2, and he's made it as plain as possible as he can, church, so that they who read it might run with it. Just like Pastor said in his video or his presentation, in order for us to make the vision plain, in order for him to present it in such a way that it is understandable... He's created or we've created an informational brochure that all of us have already received. We've created a 3D animated video that all of us have already watched. We've had meetings and we've had messages and mailings all laid out before us, church. It has been put on the tablet, you might say, so that we all could see it, so we all could understand it, and so that we might be able to run with it as well. And that's what God's waiting for now, church. He's waiting to see who's willing to run with With the vision. He's waiting to see who's willing to bear it up and pick it up and run with it so that the kingdom of God might be advanced not only in the community but in our lives and all across the land. Over the past weeks and even months, if you've been here this long, church, our pastor's been sharing with us not just some lighthearted desire that he has. The pastor hasn't been sharing with us just a, a set of architectural designs that were developed by the minds of some architect. He hasn't been sharing with us or didn't hand out, church, just a packet of printed material or information for us to look at and just enjoy some full color pictures. What pastor has presented to us, church, over the last several weeks has been the burden of his heart. And it's a burden that the Holy Ghost has put there. It's a burden that man hasn't put there. I haven't put there or anyone else has put there. It's a burden that the Holy Ghost has put upon him and he's been sharing it with us as plainly as possible so that those who read it might run with it. And one of the questions that the Holy Spirit has this morning is who's ready to run with the vision. You see, the reality is, the pastor should not have to bear this burden alone. The pastor shouldn't have to bear this vision alone. The pastor shouldn't have to bear the weight of what God has put on his heart all alone, church, because Galatians 6:2 tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens. It tells us that we're to share the burden. It tells us that we're to carry the burden. It tells us that we are to rise up under the weight of a burden. You see, that's what a burden is. It's a weight. And what God is calling each and every one of us at South Metro Ministries to do is to rise up under the weight of the burden that the Holy Ghost has put upon our pastor so that we might advance the kingdom of God. You see, what we need to realize is that this is a burden that was birthed by the Spirit of God In the depths of our pastor's soul, church. I shared the passage, like I said, because pastor should not have to bear this alone. Shouldn't have to run with it alone. He shouldn't have to pray over it alone. He shouldn't have to carry it alone. He shouldn't have to tarry with it all alone, church. We should all be willing to rise up under its weight and run with it. And that's what my word to you this morning will be about. It will be about rising up together. It'll be about running together and serving together and sacrificing together and building together for the glory of the Lord. How many of you want to see the glory of the Lord in your life? Amen. Amen. Well, in order to do that, there's a burden we must bear. There's a cross that we must carry, and we have found ourselves at a point in time at South Metro Ministries where it's time to take up a cross, where it's time to bear some weight, and it's time to bear some burden, not just for ourselves, not so we can glory in ourselves, but because there's a world that's lost and dying, and they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning, and it's what God is calling us to at South Metro Ministries. Please understand that the Holy Spirit and God isn't calling us to just build a building made of brick and mortar and clay and plaster and drywall and steel studs and wood studs. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit hasn't just been calling us to build some meaningless monument to man. He's been calling us and calling us to advance the kingdom of God. To build the kingdom of God. To move forward with the kingdom of God. This is what we have to realize, church, that He's calling us to advance the kingdom and to sacrifice for His sake. You see, what we have to remember is that God has called us to offer ourselves... A living sacrifice. He's called us to sacrifice ourselves for the kingdom of God. I know a lot of us don't like to do that. I know it's a difficult thing, but it was a difficult thing for Jesus Christ to bear the cross, but he bore it anyway. He bore it for you and He bore it for me. And I want you to understand the burden that we're bearing. And the pastor's asking you to bear. Isn't just His burden. It's the burden of the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ, born on the cross, He died and suffered so that the kingdom could advance. He's asking us to share in that sacrifice. He's asking us to share a little bit in that suffering so that the kingdom could go forward. Amen? In Nehemiah chapter 2, like I said, in verses probably 16 and 17, and I'm not going to read all of this. I encourage you to read it yourselves. Nehemiah 1, 2, and 3, and 4. Just read it. But in Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah stands before the people of God, and he begins to outline a plan for rebuilding the city of God. It was a city that lay in ruins. It was a city that needed work. It was a city that was being tormented by the enemy, and it needed to be restored, church. But he stands before the people, and he begins to outline a plan to rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates. The Bible tells us that after a private three-night inspection of the city, he went out at night with just a small group of individuals because he didn't want to go out in the middle of the day where all the naysayers would surround him. He didn't want to go out in the middle of the day where a bunch of negativity might surround him or where a bunch of grumblers and complainers might surround him. He took himself a select handful of faithful individuals that he trusted could share the burden and share the vision. And the Bible says he went out at night and he inspected the city. So after three-night inspection of the city after a lot of weeping and after a lot of crying, after much prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God for the future of Jerusalem, just like our pastor church has been doing concerning the future of South Metro Ministries and still doing today. I want you to know that each and every morning, each and every night, each and every opportunity that your pastor, my pastor has concerning the future of our church, he's before the face of God. He's putting himself there that so he might receive divine revelation and divine direction. But the Word of God tells us that after getting direction from God, Nehemiah comes to the people and he shares with them God's vision and reveals to them the burden of his heart. He reveals to them what God has birthed within the soil of his soul. And after three days of not telling anyone what God has laid upon his heart, he finally speaks, the Bible says, in chapter 2, verse 12. He writes it down and he makes it plain for everyone to see and everyone to understand. Nehemiah speaks his heart and he speaks God's plan to the people. According to verse 16, he's speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to the officials. He's speaking to the nobles. He's speaking to the priests and the administration. And the Bible says to everyone, everyone who would have anything to do with the rebuilding process of the city. In verse 17, Nehemiah does what our pastor has been doing over the last several weeks. He invites them to take up the task together. He invites them to be a part of this incredible work. He invites them to become a part of something supernatural. He invites them to be uh, to be part of something bigger than their own selves. And I know you hear that a lot of time, But it's exactly what Nehemiah was doing. He was inviting them to do something incredible for the kingdom of God. And he said this. He said, come. He gathered them together. He said, come together, brothers and sisters, and let us. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so we will no longer live in disgrace. He said, let us all, church, come together. Let us all, under the sound of my voice, respond to this call, respond to this need, respond to this burden and the vision that comes from heaven. He said, let us all, as children of God, take up this task together. Let us all bear it together. Let us all pray over it together. Let us all give to it together. Let us all sacrifice together. Let us all work and run and bear up this burden together. This good work that the Holy Ghost has put before us. How many of you know that this is a good work that we're doing here? It's a good work we're doing today and it's a good work we're doing tomorrow. And I pray that it's a good work we'll be doing 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now. It's a good work because it's God's work. And we cannot forget about that, church. But let us all do it together. What I want you to notice is that Nehemiah doesn't try to take on this good work all by himself. Nehemiah doesn't expect 20% of the people to do 100% of the work like we so often see in church. 20% of the people bearing 100% of the load. It's not God's design, church. And Nehemiah reminded the people... He invited every single individual under the sound of his voice to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God. Nehemiah, when it came to the rebuilding process, when it came to the prayer process, listen, when it came to the prayer process, he selected a handful of faithful. But when it came to the building process, he called out to every individual and said, I want you to play a part. You see, there comes a time when you want to get alone with God, you don't need a bunch of doubters around you. You don't need a bunch of individuals that got no faith. When you go before God to get a vision from God, you better surround yourself with people you know who can touch God and hear from God. Amen. And Nehemiah did that, but when it came to labor, when it came to work, when it came to the sacrifice, when it came to to putting their hand to the till, he called them all to work. And he called them all to advance the kingdom, church. What you need to understand is that Nehemiah did not eliminate anyone from the equation of their success. He didn't eliminate anyone, church, from putting their hand to the plow or putting their heart, church, to the good work which the Lord had set before them. He called them all to be laborers for the kingdom of God. Nehemiah calls them all to the building of the kingdom when he said, let us rebuild together, church. He brought them together. Here's what he was saying. Let every Jew under the voice of my name, let every Jew that holds to the name of the Lord take on this good work. Let us all do it together because we're all part of the body of Christ. Let us all do it together because we are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let us all do it together because we are part of the family of God. It's what the Holy Spirit is calling us to. Let no one be excused from this good work because we are all a part of the family of God and we all have a responsibility one to another. I hope, you, I hope you understand, church, that we are one body, the Bible tells us, and we are responsible one to another. I think we forget that sometimes. I think that we forget, church, that when one of us cry, all of us should cry. When one of us weeps, all of us should weep. I think we forget when one of us rejoices and gets excited, all of us should rejoice and get excited as well. I think we forget sometimes that when one of us sin, it affects the whole body. That when one of us compromises, it affects the whole body. That when one of us has a bad attitude, it permeates through the whole body. I think we forget sometimes that when we walk into the house of God with a with a sour spirit, it affects the entire body of Christ. Because we who are many are all part of one body. And it affects us all. You see, when you come in happy and you come in excited, it affects the whole body. When one individual lifts up a hand and lifts up a voice like the choir does, when one of us do something good, it affects the whole body. I think we forget, church, Romans 12 that says, We in Christ, who are many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We are many parts of one body and we belong... We belong, the Bible says, to each other. That's why Nehemiah said we all got to work together because we belong together, church. We've got to serve together. We've got to give together. We've got to sing together. We've got to praise together. we got to pray together. We've got to sacrifice together. We've got to tithe together. And I know a lot of you hate to hear that, but we are all part of one body. And we must bear one another's burdens, church, because when we do, we fulfill the law of God, the Bible says. You understand that when we don't love on one another and bear one another's burden, we're breaking the law of God. We're breaking the law. And we wonder why we're not blessed. We don't love on each other, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, lift one another up, and we wonder why our world's getting smaller instead of bigger. Because we forget we're part of the body of Christ. We are all one together, church, and pastor is the head, and it's time for us to bear this burden. It's time for us to rise up and run, church. Listen, the truth is, I don't mean this in any unkind way, but if you consider yourself part of South Metro Ministries, you have a responsibility to South Metro Ministries. Amen. If you consider yourself part of the body of Christ, you have a responsibility to the body of Christ. If you consider yourself part of the family of God, you have a responsibility to your brother and to your sister, to your brother, to your brother and to your sister. You have a responsibility to the one up here and the one back there. You have a responsibility to the staff and to all the workers, to your brothers and your sisters. We have a responsibility one to another church and we cannot shirk our duty. You call yourself part of... If you, if you call this your home, as within any home, you have a responsibility within that home. You all know it. You all got families. If you got a family, guess what? You got a duty in that household. And if you don't do your duty... Uh, if you don't do it in my house... God's our Father. God has a household... He's got sons and daughters that live and move and breathe in that household. And guess what? You've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. And if we don't, I can't expect to be blessed. But this is what God is calling us. Listen, we have a responsibility to bear one another's burdens and to rise up and do our part. You know, growing up, and some of you, the same thing. When your brother or your sister didn't do the job, boy, you got mad. It's not my job. It's her turn, his turn, whatever. You know that. We've done that because we all have a responsibility, church. And I know a lot of us don't like that word responsibility because it means there's a price. The word responsibility means sacrifice. It means duty. It means, it means that we have to do We've got to make a sacrifice. We've got to pay the price for that, church. And a lot of us just don't like to pay the price. A lot of us don't like to have to make a sacrifice, me included, church. A lot of us don't like to have to bear a burden, but it's exactly what we have to do. I know a lot of people would rather, church, use up the house of God instead of being used themselves. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people would rather come into the house of God and use up the house of God instead of saying, here I am, God, use me up instead. Let me do something for the kingdom. You see, the reality is a lot of people would rather sit at the table than serve at the table. A lot of people would rather eat at the table and consume at the table than they would serving the table or setting the table or cleaning up the table or even providing the food that goes on the table. Let me eat, let me eat, let me eat. And then get up and run. Excuse me for eating and rushing off. I want you to understand this is God's table and this is God's house. It's a privilege and it's an honor to be part of the kingdom of God. And when we come to the table, we better be willing to serve and not just stuff our mouths. It's what God's called us to. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And the greatest among you shall what? Shall be your servant. Listen, the world's got it all backwards from what God's design is, and yet we're following after the world, doing it the world's way. I'm telling you, God's way. Amen. So often, amen. I'm trying, Willie. Amen. Amen. Again, I'm not saying this in a condemning way, church, but we've got individuals that are happy to come in and use the nursery. Happy to come in and use the pastor. Happy to come in and use the staff happy to come in and use the children's ministry and the youth ministry. They're happy to come and use recovery house. And they're happy to come and use Joseph's storehouse. They're happy to come and take some stuff or get some stuff out of our cupboard or ask us to pay their bills. And listen, there's a place for all of that. It's why we have those ministries. But I want you to understand God wants you to be more than a consumer. God wants to know when you're ready to sacrifice and when you're ready to give and when 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 you are ready to be the... A cupboard in someone's life. Amen. And that's what God is calling us to today. He's calling us to rise up and build and make ourselves a resource for the kingdom of God. There's some individuals that say if the pastor preaches on tithing or giving or sacrificing one more time, I'm going to leave. And you want to know why? It's because they don't know what it means to consider God's kingdom more important than their own. Because they don't know how to consider someone else more important than themselves. They don't know how to put me, myself, and I aside so the kingdom of God can advance. Amen. And that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to advance the kingdom of God by considering His kingdom more important than ourselves. Amen. That's what God's calling us. Listen, the word resource means a source of supply. It means a source of support. It means a source of strength. It means a source of aid, church, especially one that can be readily drawn upon when needed. If there's ever a time South Metro needed you to be a resource, it's today. If there's ever a time where South Metro Ministries and the kingdom of God needed you to be a source of supply and a source of strength and a source of support and a source of aid, it's today. Because we are stepping into tomorrow and we are trying to fulfill the vision that God has put on our pastor's heart. Listen. Listen. You can't climb ladders with your hands in your pocket. And it's time for us to go forward and get our hands out of our pockets and start climbing towards the kingdom of God. Listen, and I know you don't cover my money. Got my hands in my pocket. Cover my money. I'm not going to let anybody go. But you got to get your hands out of your pockets and start giving some to God so His kingdom can advance. And not just so His kingdom can advance. Listen, He owns it all anyway. It's so that seed you sow can produce something in your life. A miracle in your life and a blessing in your life. How many of you are ready to climb towards the kingdom? Amen. Amen. The question is, are we willing to be a resource? Are we willing to be a source of supply and support and strength and aid to the pastor, to the church, and to the kingdom of God? Are we willing to be readily drawn upon now that we are needed, church? Are we going to be listed with the consumers? You see, I hope you know that the pastor has invited us all to be a part of the building of the kingdom of God, like I said. This isn't man's work. This isn't pastor's work. This isn't my work. This isn't your work. This isn't the work of some architect, except the architect of God. This isn't the work of some general contractor, but, but it is the, the work of the builder and the creator of the universe. This is the good work of God. And we can't lose sight of that church. It's not man's work, it's an eternal work, it's a kingdom work, and it is the work and the will of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we have been invited to be a part of it, church. Every one of you, like I said, that claims to be part of the kingdom has a responsibility to that kingdom as well. The first thing I hope you realize is that the building campaign that Nehemiah brought before his people was a kingdom campaign. wasn't an earthly campaign. It was a kingdom campaign. Like I said, that was birthed by the spirit of God in the heart of Nehemiah. It's why it weighed so much because it came from God. It's why it weighed so much because it came from the creator. It's why it weighs so much upon the heart of our pastor because it was, it came down from the hands of heaven church. Listen, I don't know if any of you have ever gotten a burden from God or had a burden from the hand of God placed upon your heart. It's heavier than any burden you will ever bear. Because it's a holy burden and it's a righteous burden. Because it's an eternal burden. Because it holds the weight of eternity in its hands. And it's what was put on our pastor's heart. And it's why he should not have to bear it alone. We should pick it up as well. It's why it weighs so much, church. Because it came from God. Because it's the Lord's work, kingdom work, and good work, like I said. When you read the word yourself, you'll find that after Nehemiah describes to the people the condition of the city in verse 17, talks about how it laid in ruin. It talked about how they were in such despair. But after he outlines the condition of the city, after he outlines the need of the city and what has to be done, after he outlines the solution of the city and the building process they'll go through, even after he gives them the encouragement that they need to rebuild the city, he encourages them and talks to them about God's past faithfulness and his goodness in their life after all of that church, the people replied to Nehemiah's request, and they said, let us rise up and build. They said, let us take up this task. Let us together, everyone under the sound of Nehemiah's voice, let us rise up from what we are doing and build. And see I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this church, but it says and they strengthened their hands for God's good work. But the first thing that I want you to see, I'm not going to get theological or spend a lot of time, but look at it. Nehemiah, he used the word rebuild. He said, "Let us rebuild." But when the people responded, they said, "Let us build." And I'm going to tell you why. It's because you can't rebuild something you've never built in the first place. You see, the reality is the individuals who said let us rise up and build had nothing to do with the previous building. They had nothing to do with the previous walls and the previous gates and the previous city being built. Remember, they were, they, they were in bondage. They were in prison. They had nothing to do with it and they realized that this was going to be the first time that they would rise up and build. They, they weren't rebuilding something because they never built it in the first place. They had to build something for the very first time and I'm not saying this in any unkind way or a judgmental way so please understand what I'm saying there's a lot of individuals in this house today who had nothing to do with the original building process of South Metro ministries 35 years ago they had nothing to do with the creation of this ministry There's individuals in the house today who had nothing to do with when pastor came onto the scene just down the road at the Nazarene church 25 years ago. Had nothing to do with building that city. Nothing to do with building that ministry. There's individuals in the house today that had nothing to do with building this sanctuary 15 years ago. There's individuals in this house that had nothing to do even with building the Family Life Center only eight years ago. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are being blessed because someone else was a resource. We are being blessed because someone else rose up to do kingdom work so that we could enjoy it, so that we could be blessed. Amen. Because they look to the future. Because they were willing to put the burden on their back and look towards tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Because there's someone out there that will be blessed by my work and my sacrifice. God's calling and telling us the same thing today. It's time for us to bear a burden so someone else can be blessed. It's time for us to rise up under the weight of this so tomorrow someone can be saved. So tomorrow someone else can be blessed, church. We've got to look towards tomorrow, church, because without a vision, what? My people fade away. I don't want to fade away. I don't want to be no more. If you don't want to be no more, you better look towards tomorrow. If you don't want your family to fade away, you better have a vision for it. If you don't want your marriage to fade away, you better have a vision for it. If you don't want your finances to be no more, you better have a vision for it. If you don't want this church to fade away, you better have a vision for it. And pastors given you one. He's given you one that's been laid out. He's given you one that He put on tablets. He's given you one that's easy to understand. And now all you got to do is rise up under it and run. That's all you got to do. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Nehemiah and Nehemiah, the people became a resource for the kingdom of God. They didn't grumble. They didn't complain. They didn't oppose the plan. They didn't criticize the plan. Didn't question the plan at every single turn. They didn't ask what's in it for me or where's my spot or where's my space. They didn't speak all sorts of negativity about the plan and then sit back waiting for it to fail just so they can say, I told you so. Listen, the reality is there's some I told you so's sitting in the house of God. There's some individuals sitting, and I'm not saying here, I'm saying in general, there's some I told you so sitting in the house of God just waiting for something to fail so they can say, see, I told you so. I never wanted to be a part of this. I never asked to be a part of this. No, but you made yourself a part of it when you confessed yourself a Christian. You made yourself a part of it when you made yourself part of the body of Christ and part of the family of South Metro. And now you bear up the duty. You do your duty and you run with it, church. This is what we have to understand. They said, let us rise up and build. And they strengthened their their hands to do the good work. It's what the Bible says. Strengthen their hands. Strengthen their own hands. They didn't go to their next door neighbor and say, Hey, you gonna work? They strengthened their hands. They didn't sit around waiting for somebody else to rise up. They didn't sit around wait, well, well, if my buddy does it, and if that person doesn't, and, does and if that person does it, and if the pastor's this and that. They they strengthened their own hands, the Bible says. They didn't run from their duty, they didn't shirk their duty, they didn't, they didn't shun their responsibility and say, I'll come back when it's all done. And then I'll enjoy the fruit of someone else's labor, which so often happens in the church of God. Listen to me, church. Now, now is a time for you to sow some seed so that others might enjoy the fruit of your labor and the fruit of your sacrifice. Listen, it's what the kingdom is all about. It's what Christ is all about. It's, it's sowing seed so that others might enjoy the fruit of our labor. Our labor, and they strengthened their hands to do this good work, church. And they became a resource, all except for one little group that wasn't willing. And I'll talk about that in just a moment as I, when I start to bring it to a close. But everyone else, church, encouraged one another. Everyone else prayed for one another, the Bible says. Everyone else supported one another. Everyone else stirred one another. Everyone else held each other accountable to this good work. And listen, they did it until it was done. They did it until it was done. There was all sorts of opposition that came against them. There were all-out threats of war. There was all sorts of discouragement that tried to be brought upon them. There were all sorts of distractions. Read it yourself. Trying to get people to come away from the work. Listen, you'll have all sorts of distractions trying to get you to come away from this good work. But these people did it until it was done. I don't know how long it's going to take us. Might take a year, might take a year and a half, might take two years. But God wants to know if you're willing to work until it's done. God wants to know if you're willing to run with it until it's done. God wants to know if you're willing to work through the heartache and work through the persecution and work through the the, the, uh, the negativity that might come our way so that you can see the kingdom of God advanced. One of the things you have to understand concerning the the building process of the, the city in Nehemiah is that the resolve came from the people. The resolve, the desire, the dedication came from the people. The people rose up after Nehemiah made the invitation and they said, yes, let us all together rise up and do the work. The people were the ones that spoke the words. The people were the ones with the desire to build. The, wor- the people were the ones with the vigor and the diligence to say, let's do it right now. If you study it, that's what they said. What are we waiting for? Let's do it right now. Why wait? I'm willing to be a resource. I'm willing to make it be a source of supply. I'm willing to be a source of strength. I'm willing to be a source of support and aid. Let's do it! You know that old Nike commercial, just do it? It's what God's waiting sometimes for His people to come together and say, Let, "Let's do it." And this is what God's inviting us for today. Listen, in verse 17, Nehemiah said, "Let us all take up this task so we will not be in disgrace." Their condition was a disgrace. You see, there's a certain condition the house of God and the family of God and the people of God should be in, and if they're not, it's a disgrace. To me, it's a disgrace when a church doesn't grow. To me, it's a disgrace when a church can't pay its bills. To me, it's a disgrace when they can't turn the lights on or can't keep the water going. Why? Because the people haven't learned how to give to the kingdom. Because the people haven't learned how to make the kingdom more important than themselves. It's a disgrace when a church can't keep up. It's, it's property and keep it looking nice because they can't afford to do so, church. It's a disgrace when churches have to shut their doors because, like I said, there's not enough support. There's not enough resources. There's not enough aid. There's not enough strength coming forth because the pastor's not supported enough or the work's not supported enough. And the kingdom of God suffers, church. It does. And the reality is, listen, we cannot afford to have South Metro Ministries be a disgrace. It's why the Holy Spirit has birthed this vision upon the heart of our pastor and why it is being presented to us as well. I know what I'm about to say might not be popular. I've got a few minutes to go. But I believe with all of my heart that there's a lot of people in the house of God who have become like the individuals in Genesis chapter 11 who tried to build the Tower of Babel. And let me give you some insight into that. In Genesis 11, we have a group of people who came together as well. They came together, the Bible said, and they said, let us build something as well. They all came together and said, let us all together build something great. Let us all come together and build something wonderful. They said this in verse 3 of chapter 11. They said, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And let us use tar for mortar. What they were saying when they talked about burning them thoroughly was let us take no shortcuts. They were saying let us not use any cheap material. Let us not use any cheap labor. And let us do it right the first time so we don't have to go back and do it again later. They said let us come together and spare no expense and do this great work. He said they came together and they said let us make the effort. Let us make the sacrifice. Let us make all the the necessary arrangements that have to be made. And let us provide all of the resources needed in order to do this work. But the question is, what was the work that they were preparing to do? The question was, what was this great thing that they came together to build, church? And the the, the, the question is answered in verse 4. And they say this. Let us build for ourselves a city... And let us make for ourselves a name. Let us advance our name. Let us advance our kingdom. Let us advance our agenda. Let us advance our will. Let us advance our desires. Let us advance me, myself, and I all across the face of this earth. Let us do this great thing for ourselves. Listen, you know what they were saying? Let us spend our time, let us spend our energy. Let us spend our mornings, let us spend our afternoons, let us spend our nights, let us spend our bonuses, let us spend our raises, let us spend that extra expense on advancing our own kingdom. Let us use our time, our talents, and our treasures, what for building our own kingdom. Let us get up early. Let us work late. Let us make the sacrifices that are needed. Let us struggle. Let us sacrifice. Let us pay the price. Let us spend our own resources building a kingdom unto ourselves. And they tried, church. If you read the whole thing, and I don't want to get into that, but you find out that they didn't succeed. They only got part way. Why? Because it wasn't a good work. Because it was a temporal work. And the reality is anything that we work on today, anything that's temporal, it's all passing away. All of our stuff is fading away. All of our stuff will rust. All of our stuff will decay. All of our stuff is destined for destruction. But the work of God lasts forever. The kingdom of God lasts forever. A soul that we might touch lasts forever. This is what we have to understand that God is calling us to. You see, the reality is there's individuals who would rather advance their own kingdom than the kingdom of God. But it's what God has called us to. Listen, church, please grasp. In in Babylon, they took on a huge task, but it wasn't a good work. They took on this monumental task, church, but it wasn't a good work. Why? Because it wasn't kingdom work, like I said. Because it wasn't God's work. It wasn't an eternal work. It wasn't an everlasting work, church. The truth is, we can get so caught up. In advancing our own kingdom, in advancing our own cause, in advancing our own name, and maintaining our own kingdom and our own cause and our own name, that we've got nothing left for God. We've got no resources left for God. We've got no money left for God. We've got no more time left for God, no more energy left for God, no more resources, no more joy left for God, no more praise left for God, because we're praising and worshipping and spending all of our resources on things that are passing away. Man. But God is calling us to be a resource for the kingdom of God, God this morning. And as I close, I ask Pastor Zach to come, here's what I want you to see. This project is all about rising up to do kingdom work. It's all about rising up to advance the name of Jesus Christ. It's all about rising up to advance the kingdom of God. Please understand there's only one name and one kingdom God's interested in, and it's His own He's not interesting in advancing us unless it's to advance the kingdom. Listen, God will bless you and advance you as long as your heart and desire is to advance the kingdom of God. It's the way God works. But the point that I'm trying to make, listen, in Nehemiah chapter 3, it clearly outlines all those who did the work. It clearly outlines the entire chapter clearly outlines all those who tackled the task, all those who built the walls. It tells us, church, it outlines what was built, where it was built, and who it was that built it. Chapter 3 gives all the names of all of the peoples who put their hand to do the great work of God. It mentions exactly what they did, who they were, who their tribes were, who they were that did the work. It mentions and it outlines, church, all of those who got up early, all of those who worked late, All of those who made the sacrifice, all of those who prayed. The Bible says it actually lists all of those who worked with one hand and fought with the other. Because there's a work to be done, and if it's kingdom work, the devil's going to come against it. So they worked, amen. They worked with one hand, and they fought with the other. I hope you understand God's looking for some working warriors today. He's looking for some individuals that are willing to take up whatever tool they need to to do some physical work, but they've got to do some spiritual fighting as well. But anyway, it lists all of those who made the sacrifice and made the kingdom of God a priority in their life. It lists all of those who became a resource and who were readily available when they were needed. And their names were recorded for all history. Thousands and thousands of years later, we still read about those. Who made the kingdom a priority in their life? But when you look at verse five, you find a short little byline concerning those who didn't. In verse number five, you find eight words that describe those who refused to do the work, the Bible says. No names are given concerning them. It doesn't tell the name of anyone who didn't work. It doesn't give you any history of those who didn't do any work. It doesn't give you any reasons or excuses why they didn't do any work, because listen, God's not interested in excuses. God's not interested in any reasons why we refuse to do the work. The only thing that was the only thing that was recorded was the fact that they refused to do the work. Because the excuses and the reasons why we refuse aren't important. What's important is whether or not we're willing to be a resource. Whether or not we're willing to be recorded for all of history as being one who was ready to advance the kingdom of God. Listen, the entire chapter goes into detail about all those who made them a resource, but only eight words concerning those who didn't. And in verse 5 says, but the nobles refused to support the work. They refused to be a resource. They refused to be a source of supply. They refused to be a source of support and strength and aid, especially when it was needed, especially when they were called upon. They refused. They refused, church, and they were not readily available. I don't want to be unkind, but these kinds of individuals are nothing but a byline in the kingdom of God. They're nothing but a byline in the history. God doesn't afford them a whole lot of space in His Word. He takes all the time to mention those that did the work. And eight words to those who simply refuse not to. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a byline in the history of the Kingdom of God. I don't want to be that individual that's mentioned as refusing to do the work. So the question that the Holy Spirit has for us this morning are how many are willing to be a resource. How many of us this morning are willing to say, God, I'm going to rise up and bear this burden. I'm going to rise up under the weight of this vision that you've put upon our pastor's heart. And I'm going to help supply the need. I'm going to help support the need. I'm going to help strengthen the the vision and strengthen the work. And I'm going to be an aid, however that might be. Listen, God's talking about far more than money here. He's talking about an individual who's willing to offer themselves to God. Everything that they have and whatever God asks them to do. Because the kingdom of God... I know it might sound weird, but the kingdom of God has a need today. The kingdom of God has a need. And God is asking each and every one of you, under the sound of my voice, to help meet that need. So if you're here this morning and you say, God, God, I'm willing to be a resource, whatever you ask... Whatever you call of me, whatever the need might be, and you put it on my heart, I'm going to make myself available. If you're willing to do that, I want you to stand to your feet as the Holy Spirit moves us forward in just a minute. Because as you stand, you're saying, God, here I am. I've asked Pastor Zach, I don't know what the song might be, but a song of sacrifice. We even sang one earlier about just surrendering it all to God or whatever it might be. I'm going to ask him to sing a song. We're just going to take a moment, and then I just got a couple more words. But if this is your prayer, God, I'm going to make myself a resource for the kingdom. Sing this song together, and then I'm going to close. Amen? Go ahead, Pastor Zach. So you in the be on your, side,
1: holding your hand offer yourself.
0: How many of you know there's a good work to be done this morning? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to sing one more time as we go. But there is a good work that needs to be done this morning. And God is looking for a resource. And I'm wondering if there's anyone willing to respond like like the children of God did or the children of Israel here in Nehemiah. God put forth the request like I did. And I say, let us do this great work and let us do it together. And I'm wondering if there's anyone, I don't care if it's one that does it first. I'm wondering if there's anyone willing to respond verbally to the request that I've made and say the same thing that these individuals did. Is there anyone willing to speak out and say what I'm wanting to hear? Say it again. Let us rise up and build. Can we say that, church? Let us rise up and build. And let us do this good work. And let us do it together. Amen? So let me pray, and then we're going to sing a song. And we're just going to go out ready to do a good work. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. I'm thankful, Father God, for every individual who you have prepared to do a good work. That you have prepared, Father God, to be a resource for the kingdom of God. Individuals, Father God, that are willing to be a source of supply and a source of strength and a source of support and a source of aid, especially, God, when it's needed. We need it now, God. Not only do we depend upon our people, we depend upon the power of your Holy Spirit to make this happen. God, we pray that you would do in the supernatural what we can't do. God, I pray that you would equip and empower and bless your people in such a way, God, that they can be a real resource to the kingdom of God. God, we offer ourselves. We offer our mind. We offer our finances. We offer our family. We offer our time, we offer our talents, our praise, our worship. We offer our sacrifice and our service, everything that we have, God. We offer it to you as a resource so that the kingdom of God might go forward. We bless you and we praise you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Before we sing, I want to say one more thing. Next week, pastor's looking for a good homecoming gift. He's looking for a group of people... That he can look at and say, they're just being a resource for God. They've grabbed my vision, or they've grabbed God's vision, and they're ready to run with it. I want our pastor to know we're ready to run. Amen? Amen. So that when he comes back, he doesn't have to have any doubt, but he knows that we're all ready to run with him. Sing it one last time as you go. May God bless you and keep you and run. times and the glory.